Welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. This is your host, Tristan Stevenson, but not on this episode. On this special International Women's Day episode, I am handing over the reins to Lauren Mote, Diageo Reserve and world-class global cocktailian, who you will, of course, know from previous episodes of the show. We are joined by industry professionals from around the world, including Redemptor Maluka, who is a DBA trainer based in Nairobi, Kenya, Nicola Dean, who is an up-and-coming bartender currently working at Black Pearl in Melbourne, Australia, Manakshi Singh, who is the co-owner of Cocktails and Dreams Speakeasy and Sidecar in Delhi, India, and Sebastian Maggi, industry consultant and co-founder of Vinescence. We cover a lot of ground in this episode, from the benefits of diversity in the hospitality industry to gender pay gap, women in bartending competitions, what it's like starting a business as a woman in the industry, how operators can do more to be diverse, as well as taking a look into the experiences of our guests in their respective territories. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and I'm very excited to host this very exclusive podcast today to celebrate International Women's Day. My name is Lauren Mote. I'm the Diageo Reserve and world-class global cocktailian and thrilled to be joined for this one-of-a-kind opportunity and moment with true global representation with some really amazing folks in our wider hospitality and drinks industry. And before we jump in and start to, I guess, pass the mic around so everyone can introduce themselves, uh, today's session through uh, Diageo Bar Academy, it's, it's very thrilling uh, to be able to bring this conversation to uh, the global audience. And uh, I, I guess we should start off by saying that every year with International Women's Day, there is always, um, I guess, a topic or a theme that we always strive to sort of fit our conversations within. So this year is Choose to Challenge, which I absolutely love, really fighting for what you believe in and leading with your voice every single day on uh, your ethics and your core values. I guess we're going to start with our uh, introductions, and it's important to know today that well, as it is all the time, it's not just about having women at the table to have this conversation, but it's important to include men as well, or male identifying, female identifying, but having seats at the table to begin with, you know, is a, is a really nice collaboration to have this conversation. So I'm going to go to Manakshi first in India. It's so wonderful to have you with us today. And I wondered if you could just take a few moments and introduce yourself. Hi, thank you, Lauren. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, my name is Minakshi Singh, and I'm the co-founder of two bars in India. Uh, we started eight years ago. One is in, uh, in, in, both of them are in the northern part of India. And the second bar that we founded, Sidecar, which has recently gotten into the Asia's 50 best bar list. And uh, we also debuted in the world's 100 list. So it's uh, super exciting. First Indian bar to be there. And uh, yeah, and I'm super, super chuffed. Fantastic. Thanks for being here. Here. And we're going to go over to uh, my my nice friend Red Maluka in Nairobi, Kenya, part of our Diageo Bar Academy team, and also uh, a wonderful bartender. Red, thank you for being here today. If you wouldn't mind taking a few moments to introduce yourself. Hi, hello everyone. My name is Redemptor Maluka. I'm a Diageo Bar Academy Africa trainer, and I'm also a bartender. I have been in world class for a while and I'm currently helping in opening a bar and it's really a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to be here today. 
Great. Thank you, Red. And looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say on so many different topics. We're going to zip over now to Australia with uh, Nicola Dean. So great to have you here. Uh, thanks for being part of this. If you wouldn't take a few minutes just to introduce yourself. Um, I'm Nicola Dean from Adelaide, but I'll be soon shooting over to East Coast and working at the Black Pearl in Melbourne. Great. Thank you, Nicola. We're going to zip over now to... Well, let's go to Sebastian Maggi, my friend Sebastian Maggi, who is in Latin America, Mexico, Buenos Aires. Thank you for being here, Sebas. Thank you very much, Lauren, for the invitation. Yes, I'm, I'm Sebastian Maggi. I actually am living in Mexico right now, and I'm in Argentina. I have been working for the last years in in the region, basically Peru, Chile, and I was related to, to spirits, spirits and beverage in for my career uh, right now i am i am involved in, in consulting and has to do with high-end restaurants and hotels basically hotels right now so that's my landscape thank you sebast and last but certainly not least we're heading over to tristan stevenson who i've stolen today's bar chat from and we've known each other for many years but uh tristan thanks for thanks for being here and introducing this session and wonder if you could give a a, a bigger introduction to yourself oh thanks lauren um it's quite nice actually have, uh, being, being sort of more at the sideline than uh, in the middle of it for once Yes, but of course, your your opinion and perspective is certainly up there as if you're still leading. So uh, thanks again for loaning us your podcast today. <laughs> and we are going to kick things off. So I suppose the first place to, to start this conversation is about, you know, why it's important to have this conversation on diversity. And I know all of us are, are going to have a very specific perspective on that. And it isn't just the female perspective or female identifying perspective. But in fact, diversity and inclusion is about bringing all voices to the table to make uh, a more uh, a, a range of opinions, a range of conversation that does represent, you know, sort of a, a global uh, position or conversation on things. So I thought it would be great to, you know, to bring Manashki to the table first and uh, and Tristan as well. And just talk about maybe the benefits of why diversity in the industry in this conversation is so important. So Manashki, maybe let's start with you on that. I mean, uh diversity and talking about diversity in today's day and age is almost like basic and I, I I mean I strongly feel that it's it's high time that we recognize the fact that there are other types of people that exist among us and they all equal they all deserve equal opportunity uh, and uh, equal you know at least standing and after that what they do with it and how far they can go is completely up to their skill base but at the end of it as long as you get the it's almost like your foot has to be inside the door and for the longest time and I'm talking about specifically for women uh, in our country I'm specifically talking again about our country here uh, it's it's been a closed door for a long time for a lot of us and uh, the fact that uh, we are talking about it is a first step and we are recognizing the fact that it's there it's 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 like it's almost like acknowledging the elephant in the room as Indian as it gets but uh, but it is about saying that it's it is it is right here you have to uh, start pointing out the fact that if you walk into a room and you only see men uh, representing or men taking decisions you should be able to question it and you should be able to raise a voice and in fact point out the fact that something is wrong with this room and uh, if you don't do that and you accept that as a norm uh, then of course it's your conditioning it you, it might not even be something that you know 
uh, that you you realize it is something that over a period of time when you again and again notice like you know uh, uh, it's 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 high time that it's it's uh, it's at least highlighted and talked about. And if we don't do that, uh, I don't see any other way out for us to you know even. I mean, forget about uh, entering the door. We'll we'll not even get in the alleyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a really good point you brought up. And I just wanted to touch on one thing you said before passing that uh, to Tristan. That same sort of question, but. Um, it's interesting. You say walking into the room and things have always looked or appeared to be the same way for generations. And it's, I guess it's up to us now that we have to challenge that status quo. And it can be hard to do if you feel like you've always been part of a very specific way things have always been done. Uh, you have to first recognize that there might be an issue or, or a problem with what you're seeing um, before you can figure out the way that you can, you can fit in to start moving that conversation in a different direction. So really appreciate your, your perspective on that. And over to uh, Tristan, similar question. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Menakshi actually nailed it. Uh, I don't know how I could sort of follow up on that, really. I totally agree with what she said. I mean, you know, looking at it just from a bar perspective, I've always felt that it's better when the environment is inclusive and diverse. We're, we're in the hospitality industry, and, of course, we can talk about, you know, women in, uh, in distilling roles and, and so forth and, you know, roles that don't uh, exist inside the bar environment and restaurant environment. But in the hospitality industry... Something feels amiss if you uh, walk into a venue where it's male-dominated in terms of the staff. And, and that's, it, it's right for it to feel amiss because that's not traditionally what we're conditioned to it, when we walk into someone's home or into their community. We have a mixture of people, uh, male and female, um, you know, of different sexuality and um, sexual orientation. We have you know, a mixture of, uh, of, of race and of cultural origin as well. And... It doesn't feel right when one of those things dominates over another. It's it it's just feels awkward and strange. And you know, I find I've found increasingly, or I find you know generally that when I see a bar and bartenders where I've got a mixture of different origins of people and, and different genders, that it feels like a more comfortable service environment because it doesn't feel like it's been forced into one direction or another. So as we as we carry on and talking about, I guess, the industry in general, there were a couple of interesting statistics maybe to point out. And, you know, I, I suppose looking at regionally, we have the, the gender gap and it exists in every market. And, you know, it's a, a varied uh, amount of range between, you know, perhaps the salaries that men would make over women. And we're, we're starting to see in certain regions that that gap is closing. So while it's not the quick fix overnight, we are starting to see that things are changing. And actually, uh, this year in the UK, the hospitality industry that all of us are, are so uh, excited to be part of, um, ranked fifth out of 85 industry sectors as being the closest to equal pay opportunity between men and women. And last year, that gap was sitting at about 4%, and this year is just over 2%. So we're starting to see, even in the United Kingdom, that the wage gap is almost um, equalized, which is, which is amazing. And I know that's not the case in all regions around the world. Um, and, you know, in, in some cases in our industry, uh, a, a man as a, a bartender or a male identifying figure as a bartender would make sometimes almost 7,000 USD more than a female working in the same position. So, I mean, these are, these are things that, that we are all sort of abreast of, of, of hearing, but how does it really affect us? 
Now we see, you know, also with Learning for Life, with Diageo Bar Academy, and now with World Class, that the entries and those who are being educated or working through the system in, in the Diageo platform of resources is shifting a little bit more to increase, I guess, the, the, the number of people educated with women is rising every year, which is an amazing thing to see. And in fact, you know, three of our global winners for world class are also female and represent a, a range of regions around the world. So it's, it's great to see. Um, so Menakshi, I would love to, uh, to hear from you and also Nicola on this. So maybe we'll pop to Nicola first, cause you had the, you know, first question, but, um, you're entering world-class this year. You've, you know, world-class is a really big part of, of what you're doing in Australia. And I would love to hear more about your experience and what you're excited for. Um, yeah, so I've entered world-class for the first time in 2019 um, and made it through to the top 100, which was an absolute honor um, to be amongst some of Australia's best bartenders. I've entered again this year, or yes, to enter again this year. Very excited. Um, as I'm sure everyone's experienced over the lockdowns, I spent quite a bit of time uh, researching kitchen techniques and working on ferments and trying to pull some creative ideas from out of the woodworks and out from dusty books that are hiding on my bookshelves. Uh, but it's, it's an absolute honour to be a part of you know, world-class top 100, particularly within Australia, and I hope to get through again this year. Well, it's it's our honor to, to have you as part of that. And, uh, you know, having having platforms like World Class are a wonderful opportunity to uh, bring new and maybe uh, veteran bartenders into, you know, a, a bigger opportunity, bigger arena to reach more people, but then also to learn and network with more people, which is great. And, uh, Manakshi, I know that you're, you're working on um, some new... Uh, initiatives as well that are that are helping in in India and I wondered if if you could share a little bit more about some of those programs that you're working on the initiatives are right now in in progress like uh, it's it's a project actually which uh, I'm working along with uh, another another person she's also part of the beverage industry she's actually a beverage commentator and a writer and both of us are working on this project together and uh, it is about actually uh, you know completely beginning from scratch to say that where are the problem issue where are the problems and where are the where can we find the solutions within our you know uh, means and the laws that that exist and you know uh, it's super archaic as well uh, there are lots and lots of uh, uh, barriers actually that exist for women in India specifically when it comes to bartending and uh, even the bar industry as such uh, so uh, it really starts from the basics about skill building uh, tying up with various bartending schools getting sponsors on board getting a mentorship program uh, to actually going into uh, you know partner outlets to actually talking to the more progressive bars and hotels and restaurants that can or are willing to hire women and you have to understand in India scenario is a bit of a there is there is always the angle of the risk that you're taking by hiring a woman uh, because there is the constant uh, fear of security and safety there are rules which exist uh, which uh, which which are difficult to actually find a way around like a woman cannot go home after 8 p.m. without a without a drop or without a escort you know for example so things like that which you have to really work your way around and I think even 
uh, for a lot of people it's difficult to actually fathom how does that work even uh, you know for a lot because there's a there are cost elements to it uh, you know it's it's for smaller establishments it's always a challenge so we are looking at a mul- multiple level challenges uh, policies that actually do not support women to actually work in the night so uh, so are we are really taking baby steps here to get into really starting with skill building tying up with bartending schools getting into you know getting the word out that here we are as an organization who is going to be open about the fact that we are supporting women to get into the industry and whatever they, it is that they need even if it's mentorship or to you know connect to global icons like you all are right you know you you all are doing fantastic stuff and and the fact that we are here and talking about it is is something that everyone should be you know hearing and uh, and uh, getting open to right so um we didn't have these opportunities i mean i didn't have these opportunities when i was a hotel management student and you know a graduate at that time i couldn't bartend uh, believe it or not it wasn't legal in india to bartend at that time so i couldn't so um, and uh, the law changed in 2010 as as late as 2010 and uh, that women could bartend legally and uh, and uh, yeah and uh, the fact that we are really way 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 i think behind everyone else uh, is is a challenge uh, but i feel that you know someone has to has to do it and i think we are in a in a good position to do it now and uh, and we are putting our heads together so it's really at the at a process that we are still defining a lot of things looking at partnerships looking at of course sponsors and stuff so we are at that stage right now yeah it just gives us pause and perspective to to just know that you know what we are dealing with in our individual countries our cities our neighborhood is vastly different and there isn't a one size fits all approach to how to you know to navigate the challenges so i just from everything you said it, it's just unbelievable you know and and which uh gives us even even more cause to just you know we just want to throw as much support your way as possible and i know that we're all dealing with different things but uh kudos to you for for helping to shape that and uh nicola i know in um in australia there's been you know the positive reinforcement you know across the board from uh different you know facebook groups social media mm-hmm. lots of programs that really support and champion women mm-hmm. and uh definitely some highlight individuals and maybe it's speed rack colmans academy so just lots of things i wondered if you could share a bit more about that yeah definitely i mean there's obviously the ones that you mentioned speed rack and colmans academy are two um fantastic initiatives that definitely really put women and women identifying people at the forefront of the conversation which is excellent but there's also some more I guess slightly behind the scenes um interactions that happen in the industry like for example there's a Facebook group called Badass Bartender Babes and you've got to be invited to it um to be accepted through some of the admins um but it's basically a a fairly private space where women can go and either voice concerns uh, about pay um about issues they may have with you know at, in the workplace or something like you know I posted in there a couple of weeks ago um a particular ferment wasn't working for me so I was just looking for some input and some ideas about how I could fix it and adjust it and I guess kind of alter the flavors so it's really a spe- like a safe space where women can go in the industry to talk to each other about everything related to this wonderful industry amazing and uh Red, I wondered if uh, if you could share some insights into, you know, what's happening in the bar and beverage industry in uh in Kenya and specifically like how you've you've played a role in that. Um I would love to if you could just share a few few minutes on that. 
Yes, uh, Africa is a little bit different from our kind of cultures. Actually, if you're working in the bar and you're a good bartender and you're so experienced, like some of us, you will you will equally get the same pay. But now the issue is there's a way people are going to uh, sideline you or treat you or look at you when it's a woman behind the bar. So you will not get the kind of respect a man gets when you're working behind the bar. So it's, 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 it's a challenge, but it's always your decision. If it's a woman who wants to work behind the bar, it's your choice and you have to work on it and you have to stand up on your feet and focus on it like I have and do your best. Uh, personally, I started my journey in 2013 and I have not looked back. We don't have the, a very good bartending school in Kenya. So a lot of times it's the Diajoba Academy, which we do now and then. And it also gives you the push to research on your own, be behind the bar and work on yourself if you want to be the best. And with the kind of inspiration we have from world class and women like Lauren and all the other distillers that I have looked at, like the one, like the, the the singleton master distiller. I think your I think your story, Red, and your perspective on this is actually the most inspiring, because every 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 city and every country and every industry needs role models, and maybe maybe you see yourself as a role model to the younger, yes. uh, I guess the uh, not even younger in age, but even just women that are looking to come into the beverage industry. But also for you know the the men in the industry in Kenya that are looking to sort of adjust what they do in order to welcome and protect you know the women that are part of their team as well. So I think you are also a role model to those people, and so your journey is uh, you know is monumental for a lot of reasons. So thank you for sharing. So I guess we're going to stay on the same topic just for a moment because I'd love to get um, the perspective from Sebastian and Tristan as well. Um, because as, as we discussed, these conversations are well suited to everybody's opinions and you, you all play a huge role in that change. So uh, Sebastian, I wondered if uh, you could sort of uh, give your insight. Well, Ohirian is, is very, pretty, very different in, from one country to another. Actually, uh, there, there are certain countries and cities that are more oriented to diversity and and you can find for um, that, like for instance Buenos Aires or Mexico City uh, in, uh, Santiago as well Santiago de Chile has cities um, but uh, but when you when you start going inland I mean to different uh, towns and 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 bars and I, I've seen this um, when from world class, yeah, you can when when we started recruiting people from from different cities and in, in, in these countries, you can you can find that really diversity. Uh, talking about uh, certain uh, certain stuff, um, certain certain positions in the war is really a, a topic. Yeah, you you it's not people are not so open up to. To things change so quickly in this way for them, yeah, because in certain places uh, have been uh, uh, for different reasons 
the, the conception of, uh, of being a bartender has to do with a physical work. And I don't know, it's something we, we need really to change. But I've seen this uh, with diff uh, in a huge gap between one country to another. It's something that I, I've seen is very serious in Mexico. In, in, not in Mexico City, but see, yes, in, in different in different cities, not not so to, tourist oriented. Yeah, in in the in parts of uh, the country and in the north part of of Chile and Peru as well uh, is is really a, a subject. That's my perspective over there. I th I think your your perspective is is so interesting and so valuable because you. You have had the experience to travel and work with, you know, with world class and with uh, Diageo previously in so many different countries. And then you've traveled, you've you've done, uh, you know, sommelier and wine programming as well. So I think you've you've had access to so many different areas to see almost the eyewitness account of how things are changing or the speed in which things are changing or not changing. So um, you know, thanks thanks for sharing, Sebas, and over to Tristan to have a little chat on, I guess, the perspective from the UK side of things in terms of females and diversity in industry. I've been working in bars for uh, about 20 years now, a little bit, a little over 20 years. And so I, I when I first started, it was um, sort of, as Red was saying, even for men, very much the case, like, you know, if you're, if you're working behind a bar, like, why are you there? And you're, you're, you know, you, you, why have you chosen this profession? What, what, you know, the, you didn't have a, gr a very high standing. Um, and um, it's strange that it was like that because, of course, it wasn't always that way. If you go back 100 years, bartenders were quite highly respected, 150 years even. But, you know, at the time when I started, it was, it was considered a relatively lowly profession. And to some extent for good reason because a lot of people that ended up working in bars were um you know there as as an afterthought they hadn't necessarily planned to be there um so as the industry itself has evolved over the last 10 to 20 years clearly the status of bartenders has improved and i feel like along with that women have been brought in more and more and it's been sort of a um you know, perpetual motion engine uh, in that as the as the kind of view of the status of the bartenders improved, women have come on board and that's helped as well to obviously diversify the people that are working behind the bar. But um, it's almost like a, you know, women have, have, have given their own approval of this profession and made other women who don't work in bars look to bartenders who are female and go, oh, right, well, this is a, a valid and um, you know, job for a man or for a woman, um, and and deserves some respect. Um, and I, there's a lot of factors that have played into this, of course. Um, but not least of all, I think the exposure that the bartending profession has had in media, um, um, and especially in competition, um, which has sort of elevated the game of bartenders competitions like world class. <laughs> you might have heard of it, um, that have championed the, the craft of the bartender, but also, you know, made sure that, um, that it was inclusive and, and diverse. And it's done that geographically. And it's also done that by encouraging female bartenders to enter competition and compete. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's obviously a difference from uh, in different parts of the world as to how far along this evolutionary process the industry is um 
and um, I feel like there is a tipping point that takes place, um, whether you're in Africa or Asia or, or you know, in, 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 in Europe, um, whereby you, we, you know, we, we, we reach a stage where it's, except, you know, it, it seems normal for female, not, not exactly normal, it, the female bartenders are beginning to make an appearance. They may account for, say, one out of every 10 bartenders in a bar. And people begin to realize, well, okay, girls can do this well, if not better, um, in some respects. And we've seen that from the number of female world-class winners in recent times. Um, and that's really cool. And so it takes on a brief sort of novelty um, sort of uh, aspect. And very quickly that novelty dissipates because more and more female bartenders take on the profession and show that this isn't just, you know, a, you know, a one-off um, and in fact, that actually, you know, women are just as good as this as men. And why wouldn't they be? Uh, you know, and and that that sort of tipping point, once it takes place, is probably irreversible. Um, and you get to a stage where it's the opportunities are equal um, for job applications for, for men and women. And it, you know, the male, female, it sort of becomes as remarkable as the color of a bartender's hair. You know, oh, wow, you've got blonde hair, you've got dark hair. So what? You're a man, you're a woman. It doesn't matter. You're doing this job in just the same way. And you're judged based on your performance in the job and your personality um, and, and, you know, whether you turn up on time um, rather than your gender. And that's where we want to get to, I think, um, where it becomes sort of unremarkable, whether you're a female bartender or a male bartender. Yes, it just becomes the norm. And, you know, we, we see that, of course, happening in... Uh, in many cities and Tristan as always with some really great insight on that because we do need to work quite hard and for each of us individually on this on this call we all need to play a massive role in making it feel like in the future that we don't talk about it as much because it's just part of societal norms just part of what we do and you know this this brings us to the next point talking about barriers and also accessibility, which uh, of course is a is is a huge thing to discuss. Now I'm from Canada, so in Canada we are, you know, we are a separate country from the U.S., but we do take a lot of of trends and influence from what happens, you know, to our neighbors from the south in the U.S. And you know, I think cocktail culture in general of how it has been how it has influenced bartenders joining the industry in Canada has been largely based on what happens in the U.S. And so I think we had a, a, an interesting time in Canada coming up in the last 20 years in the industry to move into something that felt like you were just making cash to something that you could really establish as a long-term career. But that took, you know, daily thinking and, you know, like really establishing what your goals might be. And then even still, you just fingers crossed that you work for a great operator and with great people on your team and managers to help help you see that through into the future. But in other, you know, and, and my experience will be very different from other people's and I'm, and I'm aware of that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if we can zip over to uh, Menakshi on this, because, you know, you've, you own, uh, you know, you own a bar um, and you own a bar with a, a really great legendary, you know, veteran bartender uh, by the name of uh, Yangdeep Lama. And, 
I would love if you could share a little bit more of your experience now as an operator and maybe some of the things that you're trying to open up in terms of opportunities, hiring, interviewing. Are there changes that the two of you have made in terms of how you uh, build your business now? Great. So, I mean, uh, there have been many, very many uh, barriers and challenges, I mean, to, to, to start with. I mean, we... Um, uh, you have to understand geographically and also culturally what Tristan was saying is, is similar to what is what was happening in India as well. Bartending was never looked upon as a great profession. It was almost like, oh, you have you have nothing to do or you did not graduate, so you will become a bartender. It's like a, almost like a server behind a bar and, and that's about it. I mean, you were never looked upon as uh, with much respect uh, at that time. And so, I mean, over a period of time, uh, things have become better and, you know, with, with with the entire global phenomenon, you know, we are also very much looked to the West for the trends, for the way bartenders are, what they are doing, how the how the cocktails are being served. So it's it's very much influenced by that. Coming to of course now Singapore, Hong Kong, these these are the bigger cities now which who are leading the way for us uh, in terms of Asian, you know, uh, geography. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, running the place back back in uh, this is eight years ago when we started our first bar. Uh, this is 2012. We were the first uh, speakeasy. And we didn't have uh, any, 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 uh, almost uh, backing any financial, anybody uh, giving us, uh, I mean, there were no investors because we wanted to do it ourselves. So we were basically two people who decided to invest whatever we had and uh, start a bar of our own. And this was in the middle of really nowhere. If you were to look at the geography wise where we are located, it's, it's a, it's a tiny little basement bar. Uh, and uh, we've survived it. We've, we've been doing that for eight years with uh, great cocktails, with superb lovely music and best of all it's the people that we've been able to meet and the, you know the guests that we who are like great friends now we've, we've attended their weddings and they've dated in front of us and now they have kids so it's almost like you've seen and you've, you've almost been establishing a culture of drinks being okay drinking out being okay you know uh, in India it's all, all it's still a dark market when where liquor is concerned uh, uh, technically dark market basically means that you cannot go above the line you cannot advertise about it you cannot speak about it in advertising terms so you have to do everything is is very below the line everything is promotions events uh, bands and things like that to promote liquor so um, it's always been a taboo subject for us uh, as, as a larger you know country we always say we were naive enough to you know uh, to think that you know put in all your all your savings and we'll run a fantastic cocktail bar it was super tough to get people even to drink a whiskey sour and an old-fashioned was a huge challenge uh, and uh, and yeah, I mean, we, we, we went through our, you know, I, I guess every business goes through that. Every every operator has to go through that. Every career, you know, progression goes through the challenges that we did. Um, but it, ours were very, in many, many, many ways unique because we were, we were one of a kind where we were, uh, we were running the place in terms of owners, but we were also serving in the place. In India, we still have a very typical culture of if you're a business owner, you will sit together, you will be very, you know, uh, you will be coming in a chauffeur-driven car and you'll get out and you will have all the, you know, all the works. But we were actually serving guests. We were clearing tables. Uh, my business partner was making cocktails and that was already almost like breaking the, breaking a lot of barriers and ceilings uh, that we together were doing. I, I I think from uh, the perspective of you as an operator, what you have gone through, um, you know, in the last seven years, eight years has been has been quite amazing and quite the journey. And maybe we'll go over to Tristan as a, you know, a fellow operator with with lots of businesses. 
you know, there's the there there is that employer bias that exists, and I wondered if you could share a bit of information on how that sort of changed over the years, as, as from your operator perspective. Well, I can only speak for myself as an operator, um, and and speaking for myself, I'll I'll say we've we've never had an employer bias. Well, if it, if we have had a bias, then it's been a positive bias in respect of um, of employing females. I mean, I remember right back. Uh, the first bar I I, I opened um, about ten or eleven years ago was owner operated, and we all happened to be men. But the second bar I opened, um, we we needed to employ a lot of staff, and we made a conscious effort to 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 try and employ fifty fifty split, um, partly because um, we wanted to be seen as. Um, you know, people in the industry who are trying to push this this movement forwards and to be more inclusive, but partly for reasons that I mentioned right at the start of of the podcast, which is just that it feels nicer when you have everyone together and there's balance. It's just a more comfortable experience. And, um, you know, aside from that, I think that, um, you know, female bartenders have something else to offer as well you know we are different in some respects men and women and we do you know have different lines of conversation that we might go down or different life experiences a different take on things and so you're really just broadening your offering as a venue I think um, by by being as inclusive as possible yeah exactly and Sebastian I wondered if uh, if you could add uh, a little bit more sort of on the same topic, maybe from your perspective in Latin America, just in terms of accessibility and barriers. I actually, my experience here was that I, in, in for instance, in world class or, or in bars and in certain cities in Latin America, uh, you th- there's not a barrier over there for women in certain places. That That's my point over there. No, I mean, I won't find, I didn't find this Fatima was a world-class winner for Mexico. Uh, Sabrina, Rumi, I mean, and there a lot of people that got up to certain stage uh, in their career. But working in the bars, you will find a lot of bars that are run and handled by by women in in cities like Buenos Aires, in cities like uh, Mexico. Uh, the problem over there is maybe some other places, some other cities, and more in, as I as I said. Re- previously um, and and the big challenge over there is that the the they, the way things are handled and and the conception that that that, that certain uh, tasks like handling uh, high uh, heavy heavy weights or whatever has to do with a physical and and a, and and a man uh, place yeah, it's, it's something really installed over there. I, I, I've seen, for instance, that um, the, the, the manners, the way in, uh, that, that you will find in certain venues, um, in, in a way, uh, don't integrate different uh, things done in a different way. No, I mean, I'm talking about recruiting people, for instance, uh, of different gender. I mean, that's something I. I bumped into many times, and and first it was a little bit shocking because it, it was not my my personal experience over there. But then I I, I started to understand that it's something that is 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 installed over there. No, I mean it's, it's something that we 
we should work with, and, and not only talking about bar bartenders. I mean, you, you, you will see this uh, as who is the manager, for instance, in, a, in, in this type of place, or who is the chef. It's something that I, I, I've seen uh, the same, uh, that happens many, pretty, very oftenly, no? That's something I, I can describe in a, from a, basically describing what, what, what I've seen, no? What, what, I, what, I, what my experience over there was, and, the, and, the, and then previously some, you were talking about tips. Well, tips is something happens uh, as well because um, generally, not always, but uh, although, although the customer won't make a difference on this, what happens at the end of the day is that when they gather all the money together and they have to make the, and they start splitting these parts, they generally um, have this type of discrimination over there. I mean, it's something I've seen. I try to bend a little bit these this, uh, habits, bad habits, no? Yeah, and it takes great leadership, and, and it doesn't have to be just one person in a position of power, but everyone has access to the power to, to reach out to people, to create space, to create community. And, you know, I'd love to hear, uh, Nicola, from you on that, because I know that, you know, staying connected and having great role models and, and having people that can help shape the community that you want to be part of is so incredibly important. So we'll, we'll go to you first on that topic, and then I'm going to head to Red after that just uh, to get prepared on this topic of uh, leadership. Yeah, uh, we've had a heck of a lot more women come up through the ranks and come into venue manager roles, venue owner roles, and it's something that, you know, I'm incredibly proud to see and, you know, I've got fortunate to have a few of my friends um, own their own companies, distill their own spirits, um, you know, make their own wine. All of these incredible women are, are a part of my industry family, so they're definitely women that I look, to, look up to. Um, I think in particular one person that kind of stands out to me is uh, my close friend Kayla. She is an absolute powerhouse within Adelaide. She owns her own distilling company, uh, manages a venue, and she's also part of uh, a new hospitality collective called The Pursuit of Hospitality. And she's uh, heading up their women-identifying-focused uh, section and she'll be putting on events, putting on trainings, um, getting out to, you know, some of these wineries, some of these distilleries that are surrounding us in Adelaide and, I guess, just educating women within the industry. So that's something that's absolutely incredible. Amazing. Uh, it's such a tight-knit community in, in Australia and I think that's, that's one of the, the marvels from the outside looking in is, you know, you are on an island, literally, but it's, uh, it seems that uh, there's, there's a lot of support for one another, but that, that just doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you yeah. know, lots of great leaders and mm -hmm. folks in the industry to help make that happen. And, Red, I wondered if, uh, if you could uh, share some experiences of, you know, the importance of leadership and role models, especially in Africa and maybe on a personal level. My role models in Kenya are actually gentlemen. There's Dougie Duggenson and there is Alex Kavita, who is, who is also uh, working with the Diageo team. And there are ladies that I look up to, because in Kenya we don't have any lady uh, leading role models. I look up to Lauren, I look up to Maureen Robinson and Lorena Vasquez. In Kenya, um, being a female role model is very impactful. It makes a lot of difference because like I said, it is an industry that is growing. And with our culture, female 
bartenders behind the bar uh, have their challenges and it takes it gives us a, ch uh, a challenge to choose whether you want to work behind the bar or choose another career that gives you favorable working hours uh, a different way of the way people look at you which actually becomes easier so if at one point they meet this lady bartender for example me who really knows what she's doing behind the bar and is actually sometimes even doing better than the gentleman behind the bar or equally better equally the same they get to respect that and they say well we can do exactly what she's doing and we can grow to the level where she has come to um i have gone during the trainings the dear job academy trainings uh, to the outskirts of our city nairobi to places where not many people can access network but we do physical classes like a classroom and it's very helpful when you're standing there and you're a bartender and you're a dear job academy a female one and you say what you have been through and you say that you can you can do it and they see what you are doing it really encourages them and they start working from their side you leave them books and once they have internet they can be able to access what we do and they log in and they can start from there all because they saw a lady doing it and they want to do it and become just exactly the same so if in africa or in kenya we had more of female role models like this believe you me we would have so much growth in kenya in tanzania in uganda and in other parts of Africa where female bartending is looked at uh, as a challenge. Thank you, Red. I'm, I'm honored that, that, you, uh, that you would mention me as part of that. It's, uh, it's, a, huge, um, it's a huge honor for me to, to be part of, part of your world. And definitely to mention Maureen Robinson and Lorena Vasquez. These are, are two women that have, you know, trailblazed and been pioneers in, in the industry on, you know, on the distilling and also the blending side. Uh, which is really remarkable. And I, I wanted to touch on something else you said, which was related to, you know, you had a lot of male role models. And I would say that um, that is something that I grew up with as well. We didn't have a lot of female representation in the bar industry when, when I first started, you know, 22 years ago. And so looking to also different industries, I would look to you know, powerful female role models, uh, those in positions of leadership uh, from other industries where I could sort of pick and choose the learnings and apply that into my, my bar career as, as best I could. And then, of course, learning from chefs and learning about the understanding of, of that brigade. So I think, uh, you know, the fact that you're able to, to do what you do in Africa and sort of power through and establish with other people around you, uh, where the industry is going with the help of Alex Cavita, with the help of, you know, uh, Dougie Duncanson and so many others, that's, you're, you're making the best of what you have access to and let's help you get access to even more to, to help you, you know, sort of bloom the industry in Africa. Okay, we are gonna jump into uh, societal norms because I, I mean, I hate talking about stereotypes and things that have always existed, but it is the reality of the situation, in, especially in what we're talking about today. And so I, I'd love to, you know, to just start off by 
how do we break down some of the societal norms? How do we break and shatter that glass ceiling? How do we create safe and equitable spaces for everybody to be part of? And each of you will have a, a, a very different perspective on that. So I think, uh, you know, let's go to uh, Manashki first, uh, because I would love it if you and, and Tristan could share also from your side, and then we'll sort of go around the table and get everyone's perspective on that. Wow, that's a, that's a loaded question, uh, Lauren. To begin with, of course, uh, I think, I think we, are, we are doing that right now. We are talking about it, and, and I think you're doing it for us, um, you know, by, by, uh, by making it uh, loud and clear that this is what, uh, you know, we, we want. This is, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a really funny saying about uh, a lot of times, uh, extremely stereotypical say, thing to say to you know we hear this all the time what women want and it's a really simple answer we want equality i mean that is absolutely i mean i i i, I always answer that uh, with, with as simplistic as possible i mean uh, you want to be uh, you know put together uh, on you know on the same platform given the same opportunity and uh, and uh, left to your own devices to to figure out uh, your way in the world and uh, that is exactly what what we want and uh, and it starts from here it starts from us from you and me and all of us talking about it and i think uh, and 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 it's a limitless uh, world out there like i mean every 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 country, every every region has its challenges, as as we've been hearing, and everybody's had their own share of you know struggles. But uh, at the end of it, we all want the common goal is is that that you know um, maybe next time around uh, you know uh, whenever you you enter a place, it's fifty fifty, or maybe for a change there are more women than men employed, uh, you know, and. Uh, and what's the harm in that? And I, I absolutely do not want to be apologetic about uh, that vision for me, uh, for, for us, all of us as women. And I think uh, a lot of times uh, we hear the word feminists and feminazis in a very negative light. And, and I, I find that absolutely appalling that why not? I mean, it's, it's time that and uh, it's time that we do um, acknowledge the fact that we've had, uh, you know, our share of struggles and uh, our mothers have had our, our uh, and our, our, our generations of women have had, and it's absolutely fine to be able to acknowledge that. It was a loaded question. I'm so sorry, but you, you answered it beautifully. And uh, Tristan, some uh, perspective from you on that? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with, uh, again, <laughs> with what Min actually said. Um, you know, it's societal norms are constantly in flux, aren't they? They're constantly changing. And I think it's a uh, being the force behind that change and pushing it in the in the right direction, and um, you know I think that much of the work in that involves calling out inequality um, when it happens, um, and and when it genuinely happens, um, you, you know you, I think it's a bad strategy to be just resorting to that tactic in any situation um, because then you're false firing and it can build sort of a sense of doubt into the argument in the first place or, or a doubt into the, the place where it's coming from. Um, but when it does happen, and of course it does, um, it needs to be called out and, and talked about. And then that shifts those norms in the direction where you want it to be heading. Yeah, and we don't, you, you know, we, we all have to play a role in helping to shape the culture. We can't just follow where culture is going, which is easier said than done a lot of the times. It puts us in in a very like uncomfortable position that you know we almost have to speak out 
a little bit louder more often and just put ourselves out there more. But having that social network around you of like-minded people, whether it's work or in your personal life, is really important to provide the confidence, but then also the safety Who's your safety net? Do you have people around you that will have your back when you put yourself out there to really speak out on things that you believe in? And so, uh, Nicola, I would love uh, to hear a little bit more on that. I guess just the importance of having that really important, tightly knit social network around you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess sort of touching on what Tristan just said, um, making sure that I guess the people around you are allies, regardless of their gender expression, ensuring that they're you know, voicing up their opinions when they see injustices happen in the workplace, whether that's equal pay or whether that's, you know, I'm sure many women here have experienced that I want to talk to the male bartender about whiskey because you don't know anything, which is a complete lie more often than not. Um, but I guess, yeah, like just making sure that we have those allies. I'm fortunate enough to have an incredible network of peers surrounding me that you know support me and uplift me which I guess in turn helps me support and uplift the I guess the for lack of a better term the the greener bartenders whether they're female whether they're male whatever their gender identity is gives me the the chance to kind of lift up and go hey like I've done this you can do it too yeah so we're gonna we're gonna jump into into something that is a little bit more challenging it's you know how can we establish like that safer work environment and that safer environment where we can feel that we have that safety net. And a lot of that has to do with leadership, with management, with core values. And I, I would really love to hear from uh, Sebastian on this because, you know, he's, he is helping to shape uh, leadership in, in some of the other businesses outside of working in the bar and also has a background um, from an education standpoint in, in helping to shape behaviors. And Sebastian, I would, I would love to hear a little bit more on, I guess, your perspective on management and leadership support and what you're doing to help sort of train leaders um, to break down some of those barriers to make our spaces a little bit safer and more equitable. It has to do with education, basically coaching, yeah? Encouraging people to, to stand up and... and and maybe sometimes the biggest barrier is is in yourself, and you have to really uh, have the, the conversation with the staff. And this has to do with creating and and ha having models, yeah, having people that can inspire. That's the way. And, and sometimes the big corp corporations or the big uh, big um, players in in the industry have to give their first step, yeah. I, I, I've seen, for instance, uh, in certain, uh, that doesn't matter where, but I've seen uh, in, in, in different business or, or, or different in the industry where that, that, certain, that certain brands, for instance, talk to uh, mature men and, and the best ambassador for that is men and that's not true i mean that's the way you've been doing things for for decades but that that's not the way uh, there's a different approach and you have to be and you have to start over there because you have a role that goes further and it has to do with inspiring other people to to stop thinking in a certain way i mean uh, encouraging and coaching uh, to to start thinking i mean to start 
thinking and not doing things the way they someone else told him to do. I mean, that's what works for me. Yes, it's a it's a paradigm shift that we have to just shift the thinking in general. And it might take some practice and some time to get there. But once you're there, it doesn't become, uh, you know, a, a voluntary choice you make. You're, you just think about things differently and it has to be uh, a daily contribution and a daily expression of, of how you show up in that way. And uh, Sebastian, you're, uh, you know, some really great points there. And, you know, in, in talking about leadership and managerial support, I would love to, you know, to chat a little bit with uh, Menakshi on that, because now you are in that leadership position and not just for your bar, but you are a role model to, you know, to Indian bartenders and to people maybe even outside the country that look to you and, and think, I know that I can do this and I want to work for her. I want to learn from her. And not only that, you were the top of everybody's list when we said, who are the top players? That, that's, that sounds awesome. I mean, uh, thank you, Lauren. Uh, uh, leadership and, uh, I mean, of course, uh, I, I think it, it comes... Uh, it comes over a period of time. It's the number of years you've spent in the industry, or you know where you are in 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 terms of your role that you're playing in your job, in your career. But uh, what I personally really truly believe in that that all of us have a circle of influence. All of us have a voice, uh, thanks to uh, the very open world that we live in right now. And I think we can totally and absolutely we should be exercising it. And we need to align ourselves to it more than anything else. And I think Red mentioned the same thing. And uh, we, it's it's really comes comes down to the basics where. Um, I get uh, regularly I get calls for example for hiring for uh, you know sales jobs or uh, within the industry to say that you know do you know any candidates who are interesting and I by default end up always always and always talking about the fact that have you considered hiring a girl for the role and you know a woman or or you know so uh, it's 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 going back to the fact that every time you touch base upon uh, you know, upon the, that conversation where maybe they haven't even thought about it, maybe it hasn't occurred to them, but there's no harm because they're they're calling me to ask my opinion, and I think, and I think I I have started exercising it more and more. I have realized that if I don't do it, I don't know, uh, you know, if others are or aren't going to do it. So it's almost like this was this was not a like leadership is not a con, like a conscious decision. It's almost it has come in naturally where I have felt that that I have to speak up, you know, it's it's the pressure of uh, saying that if, if I don't, then we don't know who else is. So these conversations we are having on a regular basis, believe it or not, it's a constant conversation that we are having within uh, the bar industry, within the liquor industry, within the brands, and we are seeing the change. I mean, yesterday itself I saw and I met a girl who just recently got hired and... Uh, and uh, I, I mean, I, I got up and I shook her hands and I congratulated her and I said, welcome to the team. It wasn't even like it was my company. I just, I, it's, a, it's a very weird, uh, uh, it's, it was a very weird reaction that I had because I think she was shocked that she doesn't work with us. But I just said, welcome to the team. And, uh, and I, I just meant it like genuinely, I was happy to see a sales representative who was a girl who was, who was going to go out and talk about brands, about liquor, about sales and I was just happy to see that role being filled up by a girl and I mean uh, not to say that it's not common we now see women in the liquor industry in the sales in the marketing teams as well but it's about overall uh, you know um, 
having the representation it wasn't about only bartenders it's not only about servers it's not about one particular job profile here so we're talking about at an overall level if we can make that difference and i think somewhere leadership managerial roles of course you have to exercise the fact that you know you are a decision maker here where uh, the buck stops at you so uh, why not i mean i have to look at my policies internally first i have to get my house in order before i start talking about you know uh, other people to hire or other people to make sure that they hire women or you know underrepresented genders amazing just uh, to wrap up uh, in just a couple of minutes we're just going to go to tristan over to you quickly because i think you know building diversity into into the plans of of what the future looks like is really important it's it's not just a representation of you know gender norms or gender equality but it's so much more than that it's the representation of uh of bipoc of different cultural backgrounds uh black uh you know indigenous people of color but also supporting lgbtqia and making sure that all voices are represented so and and some of that you know can be met with sort of a heavy hand sometimes with almost like harassment and i think it's it's the important part of you know bar operators and definitely i'm putting you on the spot here but i know it's a a conversation that you're you're used to having how can we better examine or how to deal with maybe harassment but then also try and weave that in the more in the most positive way into supporting diverse uh, cultures and backgrounds as like our industry carries on into the future. Yeah, I think I mean it goes back to the leadership, doesn't it? Um really it's about uh operators, managers, owners or industry leaders in any sort of field taking ownership over what happens within the the area in which they they manage. Um and that that comes down to being clear about what objectives are and having open conversations about what's expected the behavior the interaction um and obviously having you know zero zero tolerance policy to to abuse or discrimination um and making that really a part of the mission statement and making it part of the culture of the workplace uh and i think when you do that it helps to sort of further these ambitions for everyone that's that's working with you and, and and really pushes that culture forward so that people adopt it not just in the workplace but outside of the workplace too and they take it with them wherever they go. Everyone, it was really great to have all of your perspectives thus far on a variety of topics and now I'd really love to jump into what you're hoping for for the future. Now, Diageo's 2030 ambitions for inclusivity, it's it, it's a very long list. We launched our ambitions back in November 2020, and it's been a really amazing moment to see how these are going to start to show up over the next 9 or 10 years, and I think that we're going to achieve these much quicker than we thought. So we believe in championing inclusion and diversity across our business with definitely our partners, our supply chains, communities, and we want to shape the way uh we show up in our media spend and as well as in our in our marketing. It's important that when we are doing everything that we can from the Diageo Bar Academy side to amplify uh the voices of not just women but members of the BIPOC community, LGBTQIA and other underrepresented groups. This helps unite our effort of bringing people together um without leaving anybody behind, which is very important. Part of that spirit of pro- of progress platform that we launched in 2020 We are on track, I would say, as a industry leading ambition of at least 45% representation of leaders from ethnically diverse backgrounds and 50% women in leadership roles between now and 2030. 
And where would you, so that's a really big question, how we set it up, but where would you like to see the industry in 2030? We'd love to go around the table. So I think, uh, you know, let's go to uh, Manashki first, and then we're going to go to Nicola after that with the same question. It's, it's about visibility. It's about your voice being heard. It's about, uh, you know, uh, modeling and, uh, you know, shaping up. Uh, a future that you want to be a part of or you want your children to be a part of. I mean, I would, I have a little, uh, you know, son and I would like someday for him to have, uh, you know, I have to, uh, when, when he grows up, hopefully he will see a much more equal world and he will see a much more just world. And uh, and, I, and I, that is where I, I model, uh, you know, the entire, uh, you know, it all comes down to that, that, uh, that we are all doing this for, for the next X number of years, and uh, there are women before us who've done a lot more. So, so, so it's it's just about almost you're 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 in a you're in an endless uh, race where you're passing on the baton, and hopefully the next generation picks up in a much faster and better pace. Uh, we'll we'll move to Nicola on that question quickly because uh, I mean, actually your career and everything that you've been exposed to and the experience like for better and for worse, you know, the things that you've really had the success in and also the challenges that you've managed along the way are ultra inspiring. And for anyone tuning in, they should be able to find a familiar story or a touch point in what everyone has to contribute on this call. And uh, so thank you so much for sharing that. And Nicola, I wondered if, if you could just share just, you know, what you think for the future. I guess touching on what Manakshi was saying for making sure that people in those decision-making roles and, and the, the leaders in our industry are people who are women, men, regardless of gender expression, regardless of ability or disability, just making sure that they're there and that they're visible. Just so that I think it, it makes it a little bit easier for people who can relate to that, to, to see, oh, look, you know, so-and-so is doing it and, you know, they're like me. That means I can do it. If they can do it, why can't I? Which I guess has been my attitude throughout my entire career. If they can do it, why can't I? Yes, and I, and I think as we're, we're coming to the end of this session, it's, uh, it's a really great place to end on. All of you have such inspiring stories, not just from the perspective of, of you as uh, women and female identifying, but also you know, from Tristan and Sebastian, because it takes everybody working together to, to create the longevity for our industry. Thank you, everybody, to all of our guests that were part of our panel today and definitely to everybody that was tuning in as part of this really important discussion as we look to challenge and celebrate uh, diversity in the industry, especially on this International Women's Day. It was really wonderful to have you all with us. For those of you who have been listening, thank you for tuning in once again. Please do rate and subscribe this episode and listen to a catalog of other episodes on our Diageo Bar Academy podcast called Bar Chat through your podcast channel of choice. And of course, you will recognize Tristan Stevenson, one of our panelists from today, who leads that conversation on Bar Chat. Also, for a lot of the topics discussed on today's episodes, please do take a look on Diageo Bar Academy website for a list of free e-learning resources to support industry professionals just like yourself. And feel free to forward those along to anybody else that may uh, make use of those, especially as we move forward in these areas. And we'll see you next time. And don't forget to stay connected.